Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. What a joy it is to be with y'all this morning. It's 7 a.m., December 15th, 2022. And y'all, it is rough weather here in Spotswood. I just checked. It's hard to tell from just looking out a window, but I just opened the uh, the door that leads out to the driveway, and it was completely frozen over, and it's sleeting right now here. Um, I don't know what it's doing at your place. I, it, it may just be in this area that this is happening, but nevertheless, it is not nice weather right now. Even so, we have a nice warm house to be in. Everything uh, is, uh, is, is working right now as far as, um, you know, electricity, plumbing, that kind of thing. So I think we're in good shape. I am a little bit concerned because it looks like this is hung up, our live video stream. I don't see that anything is happening with that. Um, it says that I'm live. It's not doing the normal thing where it actually says that the timer has started going, but who knows? I may spend the next little while just talking to myself right here and if so, that's okay too. But I'm happy to be with you this morning, wherever you are. And let me just go ahead and say that this is the last daily devotional of the year. That's right. The last of the year. We will return in 2023. It's so strange, isn't it? It doesn't even feel like that. Um, 2022 was a thought, much less an entire year that has passed, but we'll be back on January 2nd of 2023. Now, let's get to it. Um, and again, maybe you're here, maybe you're not. I don't know what this thing is doing, <laughs> but I guess we will see. Um, John chapter 17 is where we find ourselves today. Yesterday, we made it through chapter 16. And oh, let's see here. Give me just one moment. I'm so sorry about this. Technical difficulties. Maybe we can find out if we are actually streaming. Oh. It says that we're streaming, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it doesn't give me an option to stop the stream. Oh, well, thank you for your patience. All right, John 17 is where we are picking up today. Yesterday, we made it through chapter 16. All the promises that Jesus gave his disciples, all the things that he told them were, that was actually going to happen. A lot of things, y'all. He's talking about his coming arrest. He's talking about the fact that he'll be crucified, that he'll be resurrected. But where we left things off yesterday was twofold. Number one, he yet again tells them about a time is coming when they'll understand everything and when they ask for anything in his name that it will be given to them. And we have this wonderful comforting ending there in verse 33 of John chapter 16. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And with that, Jesus' instructions for his disciples ends. And we come to a very crucial transition here. Jesus is done telling them these things. He's already told them the time is coming. In fact, in just a little while, I'm going to be gone from you. 
And so of all the things that Jesus could do at this point, and he knows, make, realize, Jesus knows, he knows what Judas is going to do. In fact, if you recall, Jesus dismissed Judas to go and betray him and said, do what you must, but do it quickly. So he knows what's about to happen. And yet, what does Jesus do? Well, chapter 17, verse 1, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Y'all, something is revealed here about the importance of prayer, right? And also how we pray. Y'all, of all the things that Jesus could be doing, and he knows he's about to die, Jesus chooses to go to his Father in prayer. Why? Well, one very simple answer. Because prayer works. That's why. You know, usually in difficult situations, and I challenge you to find a more difficult situation than this, not only does Jesus know he's going to die, it's going to be a horrible, terrible death. Oh, it, it, it's, it's going to be the absolute worst. But of all the things Jesus could do, like namely run away I mean, or, or, or spend time in some other way or give other instructions, Jesus is done with his instructions. And his instructions are not very, very specific, but they are encouraging. And now he's going to God the Father in prayer. The lesson there, of course, for you and me is that prayer should never be the last result, re, re, <clears throat> the last resort. Sorry, I can't speak this morning. Prayer should always be the go-to. When you're facing a very difficult situation, when you don't know what to do, go to the Lord in prayer. Now, Jesus was facing a very difficult situation. He did know what to do, but still he goes to God in prayer. Now, what does Jesus pray for? Realize that he's just finished talking to his disciples about how a time is coming when they can ask for anything in, the, in his name and it'll be given to them. So what does Jesus ask for? The very first thing that Jesus asked for in this, his quote, high priestly prayer, that's what John 17 is referred to, the high priestly prayer of Christ. But the very first thing that he prays for is John 17, Still in verse 1, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Again, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's coming. And of all the things that Jesus could ask for, what he asks for is that God would be glorified. And this gives us a little glimpse into what it means to pray for things in his name. It gives us a glimpse into what our real motivation for prayer ought to be. You know, sometimes prayer becomes that cosmic AAA card, right? I've, I've talked about this before. I've, I've used it in sermons. I've said this about the Holy Spirit. Y'all, God does not exist like AAA, that as long as everything's fine, you don't even give him a thought, Right? Um, but when something blows up, then you say, oh, better pull out my card and use this thing. And I got a flat tire, I run out of gas or fill in the blank. That's not who God is. But sometimes we can treat him that way. It becomes a very clear and very apparent if the only reason God is in your life 
is because you think you need them from time to time, but then you put them back on a shelf when you're done with them. That is not the case with Jesus. That's not the case with how he has called us to pray. Instead, the very first thing he asked for is that God would be glorified. And then he elaborates on this. He says, again, second part of verse one, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Again, some things are revealed here. Number one, Jesus reveals yet again his relationship with God the Father, and he reveals that he's God the Son, that he has been with God from all eternity. He also reveals something important here about Christmas. You know, as I prepared for today, I said, well, should I do something, you know, Christmas-based? Should I, should I leave John? And the answer I came up with immediately as I prepared is, well, no, because right at the beginning of prayer, Jesus teaches us one of the most crucial things about Christmas that we ought to know and understand. And that is this. It's this concept of Jesus leaving his glory. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Y'all, while there are many aspects of Christmas that are just wonderful, that are fabulous, that point us to God's love, this is the one that we really cannot comprehend. It's the one that we can't really grasp. You know, the word glory in itself, we have such a, a shaded concept of what glory really is. We describe things as glorious, right? Um, yesterday, if you saw the sunrise, that, that's a term that I would use for this. It was a glorious sunrise this morning. However, our concept of glory, our concept of goodness, our concept of that which is wonderful, is seated in a sinful world. Our concept of glory is based on our entire frame of reference. And the fact is that we really haven't seen glory. However, Jesus knew glory. God the Son existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from all eternity. And yet, the core of Christmas, the beauty of Christmas, the wonder of Christmas, is that Jesus left that glory, that all-encompassing goodness, that all-encompassing wonder, he left it. And he left it for those who would trust in him. To use the language that he just used, for you granted him all authority over all people that he might give eternal life to who? This is verse 2. To all those you have given him. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone, he left his glory for you. He turned aside from that perfect communion. I've mentioned it before. 
But the scandal of it, y'all, the scandal that God the Son, he took on flesh. That meant that God the Son, in perfect glory, felt cold for the first time. He felt pain for the first time. And not only did he do that, it, it, as he said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has not a place to lay his head. He left glory and he lived this life, calling himself the man of sorrows as he dealt with people that were just using him, with people that wanted to destroy him, with people that discredited him. And ultimately, he laid down his life and submitted himself to the will of the Father and let his creation kill him. But it is in this act that the glory returns, you see. It is this time where Jesus has completed the work, and the work is considerable, y'all. We, you know, don't just focus on the birth and the death. Think about the life where Jesus fulfilled all of God's law. We could never do that, and even if we could, we never would. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecy. He met all of the law's requirements. That means not only did he not sin, it meant that he also did everything he was supposed to do. He did these things. And in so doing, he was glorified. In so doing, he was lifted up by God the Father, and he has that name that is above every other name. What a wonder this is. What a glorious thing this is. And again, it all starts at Christmas. As you celebrate this year, and with this, we're done for today, because I want to leave you with this. I don't want to cloud it. Though we cannot begin to grasp the concept of glory, we can to begin to grasp God's love for us. It's evident in Jesus. And as a result of that love, we have a calling. First off, our calling is to love God. He has loved us. Let us love him. And how do we love him? Well, y'all know. We just finished John chapter 15 a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, follow him. Seek him. Pursue him. Do the things that he's called you to do. But also... We're called to love each other. Christmas is that time of the year where there's all the nostalgia, there's all the trappings. That stuff is wonderful. I challenge you to find somebody that loves Christmas more than I do. And yes, I mean all of it. All of it, I do. But y'all, the aspect that we ought to be focusing on more than any other is God's love for us. And in turn, our responsibility to love one another. This is the core of what Jesus spent so much time talking about. He gave parables about this, like the parable of the unmerciful servant, the, the, the servant who was owed a sum by another servant. And, and, and instead of forgiving that sum, instead he goes after him and he chokes him and all these different things. And he's called wicked. He's called horrible. Why? Because that servant doesn't recognize what the master did for him. He was forgiven a debt that he could never repay, and therefore he ought to be forgiving to others. He was shown mercy, so he should show mercy. This is what Christmas is all about. Whether it's in Titus, as we saw previously a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning, that God's love for mankind appeared there that first Christmas. 
or whether it's Isaiah 9 that pointed forward to who Jesus would be and indeed who Jesus was and is. We ought to be filled with a profound sense of gratitude and that gratitude ought to serve as a prompting. Again, consider this passage of all the things Jesus could do. What's he doing? He's praying that God would be glorified and he's asking God to glorify him for that purpose and to once again give him the glory he had before he came. My friends, this should be our primary focus, giving him the glory every single day, not just in word, not just in thought, but in deed. Now, with that in mind, Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given to us, and I pray that you would help us. Even though we cannot understand glory as, as, as we're part of a fallen world, help us to appreciate what your son did for us that first Christmas and his entire life. Father, we don't deserve your love, but we are so grateful for it. Let us focus on giving you the glory and celebrating your love for us through loving you and through loving others. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. I, I can't see any comments. I can't see anything at all. In fact, I don't even have the option to stop this video. So I guess I'm just going to close the browser screen. Maybe it'll stop. Maybe it won't. And again, maybe I've just been talking to Boo the Cat this whole time. But nevertheless, if you commented, I cannot see it right now. I'll, I'll see it after I close things out. But thank you all for being a part of this time. Thank you for supporting these devotionals. It, it really is a blessing. As I look back at, at 2022, what a quick year. Wow, my goodness. But what a great year. I'm so appreciative of you all. Um, Lord willing, we'll be here Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Okay, let me remind you about our Christmas program, which is Sunday night at 6 o'clock. It's our Christmas cantata and candlelight service, and we'll have a reception afterwards. So that's at Old Providence at 6 o'clock on Sunday night, this coming, December the 18th. And then on Christmas Sunday, we will have our worship service at 10 a.m. like usual, but we will not be having Sunday school. Now, again, thank you all so much for being here. I hope that the Lord blesses you richly. And again, Merry Christmas. <music>